Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research. Welcome to NSFT Research Podcast. Today we're talking about one of our youth studies, Aspire. More about that in a minute, but first, introductions. Bryony, do you want to go first? Hi, my name's Bryony G. I work for NSFT in the research department in the Child, Family and Young People's Research Development Team. Um, and I've been the project lead for Aspire. Hi, um, I'm Isabella Junqueira. I'm the research assistant psychologist for Aspire. I'm working with Brownie. Hi, I'm Tina. I'm a parent carer representative with NSFT and I was asked to be the co-applicant. I run a small organisation for, for people that have suffered abuse. And why I want to do this kind of work is that myself and my family have experienced adverse childhood experiences my organisation is survivor-led and, and that's people that have suffered abuse such as domestic abuse or childhood sexual assault. Thanks so much. So, Bryony, this study is centred on ACEs. Should we start off by you telling us what they are? Yeah, sure. Um, so ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences and they're a group of um, stressful or traumatic experiences that can happen to people um, in childhood before the age of 18. Um, that we know are linked to an increased chance um, of poor outcomes later in life, so difficulties with both mental and physical health. And the type of experiences that we're talking about are things like experiences of abuse or neglect, growing up in a household where there's domestic violence, um, or things like drug or alcohol misuse, or experiences like family breakup, um, a serious illness, being bullied, um, a whole range of different experiences um, but yeah, all of which we know can um, increase the risk um, of suffering from poor mental or physical health later in life. But importantly, we know that not all um, young people who have these sorts of experiences do go on to have um, these poor outcomes. And Aspire is all about trying to increase the resilience that young people and their families have um, so that we can hopefully decrease the chances that difficult things will carry on happening um, and increase the chance that families will be able to thrive um, and children will be able to go on to live healthy and happy lives. So Tina, perhaps you can tell us a bit about your role in this project. I really want there to be a better way forward for for people. Whether whether When we talk about resilience, I don't think... It means a different thing to lots of people. But for me, once I'd been through some issues around domestic abuse, I turned to services that I thought could help and they didn't. It, it caused me more trauma than, and more distress. So my resilience was going down and down and down, which is why I set up for Transform, because I believe that you could tell your story and share share peer support really um, and you we used creativity as a way of connecting that's great to hear tina so Bryony, i wonder if you can explain a little bit more because we're in the midst of this study at the moment aren't we we've done one podcast about this and this is the second podcast to sort of update everybody on where we've got to yeah that's right so the first podcast episode we recorded was at quite early stages where we were kind of um trying to figure out exactly how it would work Um, and it really has been a learning process this project um, because we did want it to be kind of genuinely co-produced I think quite often that word is sort of used but it can sometimes be done in a bit of a tokenistic way where 
perhaps the research team come in with a bit of a preconceived idea of how it's all going to work and uh, what the end product's going to look like. And then they kind of perhaps consult a little bit and, you know, get a tick box that they've done that process with people with relevant lived experience. Yeah. Um, we wanted to genuinely approach it without any preconceived ideas so that we really could kind of listen and learn um, in the way that we developed the intervention that we're designing. So yeah, it's been a really interesting process kind of figuring that out as we go along. So we've been completely clear about how this therapy is being delivered. It's going to be done by a caregiver, isn't it? Is that right? Yes. So a caregiver will deliver this to the young person that they care for, um, but um, supported by a practitioner or professional, basically. So and how is it? Is it a flexible kind of support? Is it an when needed? Is it um, a structure of sessions that is predetermined? Who determines this? So all of this we spoke about while interviewing people, right? If you were the person delivering this to your son or daughter, what would work for you is what we were asking people, basically. And what do you think would work for people? And, you know, just get people's opinions because each family is is its own thing, right? So people need different things. So, yes, I think an overarching theme when it came to everything was flexibility, Things need to be tailored. A one-size-fits-all will not work. Um, yeah. So the point we're at now, um, we're just coming to the end of the first kind of work package, we call it, so the first stage of the project, um, which has been all about trying to figure out what the support package we're designing should look like, um, what the content should be, how it should be delivered, what kind of staff members should be involved in supporting families. And we've done a couple of different things to kind of get to that point. So the first was looking at existing um, interventions that have used the positive psychology approach. We were looking to learn from in this project. So positive psychology, I think we said in the last episode, but it's all about looking at kind of people's strengths um, and how we can help people to kind of thrive rather than focusing on perhaps the difficulties that people are having. Um, So really kind of strength based approach. Um, So we're looking at existing interventions that have used um, those positive psychology principles to see what we can learn from there. And the other thing that we've been doing as part of Work Package One is doing interviews and focus groups with young people, with parents and carers and with professionals. Um, And they've kind of told us about their experiences of trying to access support um, after their child has experienced ACEs or they've experienced ACEs. Lots of really uh, difficult stories, I think it would be fair to say, um, as Tina touched upon. Um, I think it can be really challenging to get the right support around these sorts of issues at the moment. So yeah, lots of people have shared their experiences of that with us. And they've also told us about what they would want from this new support package. You know, you've talked a little bit about the co-production that happened. What was important to you in all of this? What were you, what points were you fighting for, as it were, within this? I came into the project um, two years ago, this has been in the planning, not knowing what positive psychology was, having a bit of an understanding of what adverse childhood experiences were, um, and just a passion for there to be better out there. And this is why this project has grabbed me. I've been a co-applicant working with the the smaller team at at the top, if you like, and I still struggle to know um, (laughs) what we're talking about. But but I'm always listened to and always valued. And that is not an experience I've had with co-production in other fields. Um, So I think this project is going to be really special, actually. But um, from 
anyone listening to this as a parent or caregiver um, or a professional that might refer somebody into this project, what I've done all along is, is try to represent that voice of when you've been through a difficult experience with your child experience and something or yourself, um, adverse childhood experiences is like a population screening. Mm. So it's not for the individual as, as such. And, and one of them is domestic abuse. Well, if you suffer domestic abuse, you will tick a lot of the other um, categories of adverse childhood experience just, just straight away. And it doesn't mean that you can't come through it um, with the right support, which is what I hope this project will be a soft skill to build better relationships. But as a parent, that when if your child has suffered something outside of the home, for instance, you want the best for your child, but you may well have been affected by what's happened to that child outside. And as a parent, why it needs to be flexible, you are juggling anything from 25 to 1,000 balls. Mm-hmm. As a parent, if you drop one, you feel like you're not being a good parent. Um, and there is sometimes, an, from outside agencies, something called victim blaming where where they will actually put that extra pressure on you to make you feel like you're not a good parent and this project is nothing nothing like that you will be supported so anyone wanting to join this project you will be supported and that's been very important my that's been my role and and many of the other stakeholders that's been our role to make sure that this project heads in the right direction on that that's really lovely to hear tina because we really wanted it to be perceived in that way as a project that was in no way looking to blame um, parents or carers and put further stress, but to help Mm. and support and really emphasise the amazing kind of strength and resilience that parents and carers have. We've often been through the same really difficult experiences themselves. So yeah, I'm really (laughs) pleased that that's come across that that's, yeah. Thank you. We're looking to recognise. Yeah, I, I truly believe that, that that this project has been special in that way. Something else um, that I found really interesting in this process has been like the kind of convergence almost between some of the things that have come out of the um, kind of parent care interviews and our stakeholder groups um, and the sort of more scientific literature looking more into that. Um, so when we first came into this project, we had this idea of using the kind of four plus ACEs score Um, So basically needing to have experienced um, ACEs from at least four different categories. And that's something that's kind of in the past, I guess, more has been sort of emphasised this kind of approach of kind of counting up ACEs. Um, And it really came from the kind of more epidemiological research, looking at whole populations and kind of the risk there. But something that's been coming out more and more kind of in the scientific papers is um, kind of emphasising that actually that's quite a crude approach when you're talking mm. about kind of individual families, that you can't, you know, kind of take something that's been developed for whole populations and apply it to the individual and say, because you've experienced four plus ACEs, that means you're at risk, or because you've only experienced three, you're not. Mm. Um, and the same thing was really kind of coming out strongly when we were talking um, to people who've been through it themselves, that actually it needs to be much more kind of nuanced and individualised um, and just because perhaps you've only experienced one category of ACEs, that could have had a really significant impact on you and your family. And likewise, some other families have perhaps experienced ACEs that would come into the four plus category in terms of the number that they're scoring. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean they're struggling. Perhaps they've got you know, really good support around them and you know, it hasn't impacted them in the same way. Right. Um, so, yeah, I find that really interesting kind of example of kind of the, the more sort of technical side of it and the lived experience side of it really coming together and kind of teaching us, you know, actually, we need to look at this in a much more kind of, yeah, nuanced way. Well, that's a brilliant way of hearing one of the examples of why co-production is so important. Um, that sounds fantastic. And so is there anything that you can tell us of, of what the intervention's going to be like as much as you can tell us at the moment? Yeah. Um, so the idea is um, that it'll have kind of like a modular structure um, to um, accommodate that flexibility that parents and carers were telling us they wanted. Um, so we'll have some core modules at the start that will encourage everyone to complete um, so um, focusing on what positive psychology is um, and then on what ACEs are um, and what the impact um, can be um, and how we might be able to um, overcome the impact of those ACEs. Um, and then also helping the parents and carers to identify their own strengths. We thought that was a really important um, thing to do right at the beginning so they can kind of use those um, throughout the intervention. Um, and then also just something about um, the kind of way the intervention will work. Um, and helping the parents and carers to kind of decide what they'd like to work on um, with their child during the intervention period. Um, so all the materials related to the modules will be accessible online. Um, so we'll have um, kind of video and audio material um, and also some written material that they can access on the online portal. Um, so they can look at that whenever they like um, to kind of, again, um, allow for that flexibility. Um, and we've also said that it would be important to um, provide a kind of written um, resource pack as well. Um, so parents and carers who perhaps don't have a kind of consistent um, sort of reliable access to the internet um, are still able to access it or just who just prefer to um, access paper resources. Um, so plan to have that as well. We all have a folder, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and lots of parents and carers did tell us that actually. <laughs> although online stuff can be good, sometimes you can't be. Um, yeah, so they'll be the kind of resources that we're providing. And then alongside that, the um, parent or care will be provided with a kind of designated practitioner who will be supporting them um, during the intervention period. Um, and they'll be encouraged to arrange to meet regularly um, or contact um, that practitioner regularly. Um, so um, that practitioner will be available to kind of help guide them through the resources wow. um, and kind of provide encouragement, um, sort of troubleshoot any kind of questions or difficulties that come up. Um, and also to help them to kind of tailor um, the support package to meet their child's needs. Um, so to help them to think which of the optional modules might be most relevant to them and their families um, and to help them kind of tailor the activities um, that we're suggesting um, to make sure that they're also kind of going to work for their family. Um, and we're planning to make sure that there's a range of different activities, so different ways of using the positive psychology um, kind of strategies. Um, to kind of cater for as many families as possible. Oh, sounds fantastic. And how did you feel about the intervention, Tina, when you heard where they've got to? Um, well, I've been part of hearing where they get to as part of that, that true, um, yeah. oversight team. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I've already said I'm just really pleased how this pro is progressing. Um, and I will speak to any parents um caregivers out there that if you become involved in in this you are part of that research and so your feedback is going to be crucial mm -hmm. to us evaluating how well this has actually worked but what what will be special and something that I, i've quite 
um, keenly thoughtful is that if you were working with a practitioner and you didn't gel, there will be a safety net within the research team. And I think that's quite important. We discussed that in one of our last meetings, that that's something you might not get in other realms where you're just going for some straightforward therapy or something. You don't necessarily, it then becomes a complaint or, or concern rather than actually getting support and your voice being heard immediately. So I think that's a very important part of this project. And I know um, the two ladies here today that that they will actually get that and understand that. And Tina, can you imagine having sort of delivered this intervention with your own children if it had been available? Yeah, I'd have loved something like it, but I would have loved that all round support. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to mention the young person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the second session of the workshop was with young people, our young stakeholders, right? And one thing that we found in the interviews with caregivers, professionals, and young people, we interviewed young people as well, was that different types, as Brian mentioned, different types of activities are needed because people are different, right? So you might have one person that enjoys a more reading, writing kind of thing, and you might have another young person that enjoys a more sportsy movement kind of thing or someone else, a more technological media kind of thing. And you might also have a caregiver that is not comfortable with technology media kind of thing, but is comfortable with the sporty. So that family needs options, right? Not just the young person to find it engaging and fun, which is our idea here is not to have to, to build a package where it's going almost like the caregiver is going to become some sort of lecturer. <laughs> it's for it to be engaging. It's for it to be fun. It's for it to be enjoyable even, you know, for that family probably been a longer process of designing the intervention than has been the case in previous projects I've been involved in because we are trying to make it as co-produced as possible whereas I think yeah sometimes it's just the case that um, an academic or a clinician kind of comes up with an intervention that's theoretically sound and then they try it out Um, whereas yeah we're trying to kind of yeah really build it from the ground up to be something that people are going to want to use um, because that's really important this isn't going to work especially because it is um, sort of parent or caregiver delivered. Um, if families, you know, don't like this stuff, if they don't find it useful, if the children, you know, just aren't interested, it's it's not going to happen. Um, so we need it to be something that families want. So yeah, it's going to be a kind of evolving thing, but hopefully by the end that'll mean that we've got something that stands the best chance of actually being useful um, and yeah, being able to be taken forward. Brilliant. So what's the next step? Can I just jump in? You know, this co-production and, and the, the values of it. Um, even the, the National Institute of Health Research, which is pro- this project has had to go through ratification with, are still deciding what that is. And their sort of key points for, for what it looks like is, is coming out in our language now all the time we're talking we, we, are, we are saying that flexibility, um, reflecting on, on, on how things are going continuously, um, shared, shared power, shared valuing of, uh, of everybody, sort of equal at the table. Um, so um, I think it's a really going to be a really exciting project. Being... I, I, I can agree more. And I, I find it really interesting. I mean, I think it must be really hard um, for Brani and Isabella to kind of take everybody's opinions all the time that must be a a challenge of this like kind of nature of working I don't know if you can sort of tell us about how it's felt it's challenging but at the same time it's it's so very good in so many ways because just an example for instance 
we at the workshop, right, um, came up with a few activities. They were ideas from papers or not, or just stuff that, you know, that were like that we could try. And we had two different young people. And at some point it was an activity that I thought would be great. It didn't work at all. <laughs> and they specifically said, this is awful. Like, don't, don't add this. I have no idea what you're doing. No idea what we're doing. This is strange. And this is just so great because you get a lot more information as to not only as to what to do, but what to not do, what to not try. And you get different people with different opinions. It's not just challenging because of the co-production. It's also because there's literature, there is research and professionals. So the methodology, the, the, the more technical bits that also need to be correct and, you know, make sense. There's experts by experience, right? Adults and young. Um, and there's everything kind of working together. So it is challenging in a way, not just because it's different, it's different people, but also it's different types of methods. It's different types of information. It's where you get the information from. People are different, even if they have the same role. So, but at the same time, it's, it's brilliant because a lot of the activities that, for instance, I would have thought I'm, I'm, an, adu- I'm an adult, right? So I would have thought it would work. Absolutely would not. And I would never have known that if a young person didn't tell me. So I don't know, Ryan, you can tell me your experience, but I think it's, it is challenging, yes, because it gives you more to work with and therefore more to organize. Mm. But it's also, I think it's invaluable. Yeah, I've got to say, I was, I was a bit worried at the start about how the co-production element would go, because it, yeah, as Tina was saying, there aren't kind of really good sort of protocols, I guess, for how to do this well. Um, so people have started to kind of you know, write about this and there are kind of good examples you can read about. Um, but yeah, it definitely is just something that's being worked out as we go along a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been it's been a lot easier than I thought it would be, to be honest. Um, and I think that's because everyone's approached it in a really nice way. Um, so everyone's kind of doing it for the same reason. Um, so yeah, there haven't been, well, sometimes there have been kind of points of perhaps slight disagreement um, or points where I thought there could be um, some kind of, I guess, conflicts, I guess. Right. Um, but that's never been the case because everyone's been really willing to kind of listen to each other's point of view um, and kind of think about, okay, that's, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Okay, what can we do to try and kind of get around that potential negative? Um, that's, yeah, that's been been really nice and yeah there's been a lot more kind of consensus than I thought there might be um so yeah it's been a really positive process that's brilliant um I was thinking when you were talking about the young person there um Isabella about how young people think and that that's obviously so important to what we're doing here because like so much we can put off uh like ourselves in, in other people's shoes like that's one of probably everybody's talents but uh, um within this group but um but it's very hard to think like a child thinks um because we're so different and i know like tina we were just talking before this about the subconscious mind of a child and that kind of thing you you were wanting to share something from a recent writing weren't you yeah it was um a lady that i work closely with that she's the founder and ceo of, of, of an organization called freedom from abuse and i just thought it fitted so perfectly because she's talking about child's development up to the age of eight, which our project is for children between eight and 12. I think that she talks about if a child 
has a bad experience with a dog at that in those first few years um they um will experience that as an incident that will be filed away in their unconscious brain um, and they will experience that as as a frightening event and then the emotion will be fear and that will be stored away in their unconscious brain and it won't get they don't start processing those kind of things with the critical thinking part of the brain until they're eight and so there's all this stuff that's gone on and this so relates to adverse childhood experiences that leaves a child experiencing life and having poor, the, the poor outcomes because that's locked away in there and not being processed. And I think the positive psychology um, can help gently unlock that and help them start processing it. That's my, that's my very lay thoughts around it. I love that, Tina. That's really well put. Thank you. And would you agree, Brani, like that that's a good way of describing how ACEs are kind of coming like out in behaviour later in life? Yeah, so we know that ACEs, at least at the population level, they do have a really long-lasting impact, potentially. Um, so these events that are happening really early in life can stay with people and have quite surprising effects that um, at least kind of a few decades ago, you know, people hadn't even thought about. Um, so the first um, ACEs studies were looking at the impact um, on physical health largely. Um, and um, a lot of research has been done since and it's shown that ACEs have um, an impact on kind of all systems of the body. Um, so they include um, things like kind of your risk of having a heart attack later in life and kidney failure. And yeah, there's a whole kind of long list of um, sort of these kind of physical health outcomes um, that it can have an impact on. So, yeah, these kind of experiences that happen early in life, they kind of have a real effect on all parts of the body, including your mind and your psychology, um, perhaps most so. There's a really good book by one of the leaders in the world on trauma, Bessel van der Kolk, called The Body Keeps Score. And it talks Mm. about how it's held in the body. And now there's lots of um, world leading trauma therapists that um, and psychologists and psychiatrists that are talking about just how much it's held in our body and that's what causes the long-term harms. And then your coping strategies are that you you may get, you may um, use um, drugs and things to blot out. Mm. The, and, 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 and that can even be from the pain that's physically held in your body. You might use drugs or alcohol to, to, to ease that. Oh, fascinating. Wow, that's brilliant. Are you happy just to explain um, what are the next steps? Yes, yeah, so we're about to um, move on to stage two of the project. Um, so during that stage, um, we're looking for 12 families um, who'd be happy to try out um, the support package that we've designed and see what they think of it. Um, we'll be looking for those families to be referred um, by participating services um, where they've got staff who um, are happy to be trained up to support the families through the intervention. Um, And the families who take part um, will either try out the um, support package sort of straight away. um, So they'll be in the immediate group um, and then we'll have um, the other half. um, So they'll also get a chance to try out the intervention, um, but after a um, a kind of short waiting period. So they'll wait 10 weeks before they start. Um, So we can start to see whether that um, process of we call it randomizing um, that we'll need for later research um, is going to work um, and we can start to kind of see whether potential benefits of the intervention um, might kind of outweigh any potential um, kind of downsides of the intervention. Oh, brilliant. 
Oh, well, thank you so much for chatting with me today and um, wishing you all the best of luck with the second work package. Yeah, we look forward to podcast number three when we find out what happens at the end of uh, work package two, I think we're calling it. Thanks, Beth. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe. It's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight. Do rate and review our podcast and follow our social media accounts. They're all in the show notes. And more than anything, look after yourself.